up, Craig? Welcome to today's episode of Juicy, the big screen. I was about to say the wrong podcast name. Uh, your movies review <laughs> discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm the other one, Corwin Heller. And I'm going to start trying to plug shit at the beginning because I keep meaning to. I've been meaning to start doing that since like January, and I keep forgetting. Um, so this is the start of it. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at um, Corwin Heller. Follow myself on Twitter. Do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Also, check out our sports podcast, Juicing the Numbers. Anyway, getting into the podcast ep- or our movies for this week, we're talking about um, two more Oscar-nominated flicks as we keep going through our lesser quantity Oscar-nominated films. We're talking about Hillbilly Elegy and Another Round. Um, Corbin, I I have an opinion. I feel as though we should start with Hillbilly Elegy. I think we should, too. Okay, good. Um, once again, since Corbin and I are picking these films as a target, neither of us one are choosing one individually. So, Corbin, would you rather start for this one for our order, or would you rather me go first? No, no. You take this one. Okay. Um, so I watched this first out of the two. I watched this Friday night. Uh, this is coming out on Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a few days. I've had, a, I've had a few days to cool down after this one. Um, this is, this is fucking awful. I mean, in so many ways. So we're watching this one because it only got an Oscar nomination for acting. And that is... A little bit of a of a red flag because oftentimes, if or at least it feels like oftentimes, I have no data to back that up. But a lot of the times, it feels like when you see a movie get an, a nomination for acting and then literally nothing else, um, it's a bad movie that just happened to have like a famous actor or actress in it that did relatively well, which is what this is. Glenn Close does. Well, I will talk about Glenn Close. She is nominated for best supporting actress in this. Um. The rest of this movie is fucking ridiculous. The storytelling makes no goddamn sense. It's it's not an interesting story. I'm sorry. Out of, you know, there's all these little parts of it from from a, how they approach telling the story kind of way that I didn't care for. But if we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, I don't give a shit about this goddamn guy. I don't fucking care. Why did this need to be made? Who was clamoring for this movie? I can't believe this is a Ron Howard movie. This is ridiculous. I I totally get the, I don't know, wanton desire for a small-town life story, a more simple nature kind of thing. No, no one needed this. This is, this is a, a, a sham of a film poorly done. I mean, I don't... And, and then and then the writer of it, is Vanessa Taylor, who you might recall as being the woman who is nominated for Best Original Screenplay for The Shape of Water. I mean, this movie is made by two people I have a great deal of respect for, and it was fucking butt. Oh my god. It, it, it's, it's an absolute mess, and it just, it just didn't need to get made. I didn't need to sympathize with the white kid at Yale getting his degree in law. I didn't care about that guy at all. And and I didn't care about his struggle at all. I didn't care about his mom. Fuck that shit. This movie is bad. It is bad in many ways. And I, I, I look forward to complaining about it more. I'm going to be honest. I couldn't even get to the story with my complaints because it, like the physical narrative storyline is just such utter blah to me i give such little shits i couldn't even tell you i couldn't even give you complaints about it because it 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 meant nothing it was nothing um the writing was so unbelievably bad that i couldn't get i couldn't get past it it's it's written like a 13 year old girl watched every possible you know teenage coming of age movie ever and just took every cliche she could find in it and then just did one, two, three, four, five, six to like 600 and just 
it was cliche after cliche after cliche just strung together like it was nothing. And it was fucking unwatchable. I wanted to turn this off like two minutes in. The only reason I didn't, other than the fact that I physically have to watch this movie, was because I genuinely thought Glenn Close is in contention for Best Supporting Actress based off her role. I thought she was phenomenal. She was the only watchable piece of this movie, and to an extent, Amy Adams. It was just so fucking awful. Awful. So before we get into it further, I just realized I distracted myself at the beginning and didn't do the rundown of the information on the film that I always do. So let me do that real quick. Um, uh, Hillbilly Elegy, it was directed by Ron Howard. It was written by Vanessa Taylor based on the book by J.D. Vance. It stars Amy Adams, Glenn Close, and Gabriel Basso. Um, I'll give you $10 to name another movie Gabriel Basso was in. I don't know who that is. Yep. Same. Um, well, he's the lead actor in this. Apparently, he was also in Super 8, The Kings of Summer, and American Wrestler. Two of the three of those movies I've actually seen and enjoyed, and I do not remember this man. Oh, I now know who you are talking about. Uh, and, yeah, okay, weird. Anyway, um, I don't have... Uh, yeah, I don't see an estimated budget... Okay, never mind. I found it elsewhere. I have an estimated budget around $45 million and a box office of 38000 but again, box office just doesn't matter because it's streaming. Um, $45 million? Where? Hmm. Where? Who? Uh, all right. Um, anywho. Uh, this movie doesn't have a tagline. It is nominated for one... Oh, sorry, it's nominated for two Oscars. My mistake. Um, in addition to the best performance by an actress in a supporting role for Glenn Close, this is also nominated for Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling for Aaron Kruger Mekhash, Matthew M. Mungle, and Patricia Dehaney. Um, and it is about an urgent phone call pulls a Yale law student back to his Ohio hometown where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future. Um, uh, so, so the vast majority of this film, the idea, so first off, I want to address the title, because the title I think is ridiculously stupid. Um, Hillbilly Elegy. For anyone who does not know, an elegy is a, uh, like, a like a reflective poem. You know, it, it's, it's a literary work that looks back on, on the, the author and his, her, their lifestyle or um, experiences in some type of way. That's an elegy. So this is hillbilly elegies in some ways supposed to connect the hillbilly roots of this Yale law student to or at least just kind of examine that. And the reason I think this is a stupid title, and I understand it's the title of the book too, and I'm willing to uh, make the bold claim right here about J.D. Vance that he fucking sucks, and I bet his book does too, this little bitch. Um, he is third-generation Ohioan. He is not a hillbilly. His mother is not a hillbilly. His grandmother spent the vast majority of her life not living in the, in the, the sticks of the South where we would consider hillbillies to originate from. And at no point did they ever really make this... I thought this was going to be about addressing in some way the rural lifestyle being... Uh, and the differences between being kind of out even if it is in the middle of nowhere ohio versus being in a more city environment like some parts of new haven Connecticut can can be uh and the cultural differences when in fact it's just really just about his mother's addiction to um to opiates and and heroin and the idea i kept waiting for when the hillbilly part of this movie was going to come through just to make that fucking title make sense and it Never does. It, it it's ridiculously stupid that you're telling me you you consider yourself. Why? Why? I'm third generation Russian. I don't consider myself to be fucking Russian. That shit's all gone. And that's not to say it, it has to be for anybody. But the reason it's all gone is because my family doesn't do any Russian shit. And in this movie, theoretically, his family doesn't do any hillbilly shit. 
it like it's how are you going to make the the assertion that that you are looking back on a hillbilly past or a past of any kind that you think informed who you became today and then make like no mention of that past you get one scene in Kentucky in the beginning where where he gets beat up and you th- you'd think that would like be in there for a reason and no sir it is not um and then like that's it then they never go back to Kentucky again and the only other mention of it is when you know he mentioned there's talk about how the grandmother left Kentucky when she was 13 and that's it she's been living in Ohio ever since if she died at 70 which who knows how old this woman was fuck let's say 73 just to make the numbers even that's 60 years she you spent in Ohio. That's five times as much time spent in Ohio than Kentucky. And then her mother's, his mother's whole life, and then his whole life. I, it, it, sorry, it just bothers me beyond belief. Um, it's a minor point, but I thought it was incredibly stupid. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, what do we even want to talk about with this? I mean, it's dog shit. We all know it's dog shit. It's one of the worst written things I've ever watched. I I don't even care about all the shit that goes wrong with it because it's it's so much, it's so overwhelming that it just ends up being null and void because I don't I don't give a shit about any of it. Like everything is just the most dramatic, over dramatic bullshit that is just not palp like palatable uh, like it i can't even put into words how much this movie's a piece of shit i have i have literally two notes uh, my first note is this film is already too white for me um and my second note is who gives a shit and then i every time i wanted to write another note i kept looking at that second note of who gives a shit and i was like oh that kind of sums up the entire feeling i have towards this movie I kind of just want to read through all of my notes in order so you could kind of understand my frame of reference throughout this. All right, let's If that's all right with you. Yeah. Hillbilly Elegy. This just seems like a corny, over-dramatized teen flick, and I just can't stand it. It's like it's written by a 13-year-old girl, which all power to 13-year-old girls, but they're not good writers. It's like every sentence is a cliche, and everything is strung together willy-nilly. I misspelled that. I really, really don't want to watch this. (laughs) I'm leaving this on while I go make breakfast, and I don't think I'll miss anything. I did not miss anything. This is laughable. Amy Adams and Glenn Close are both very, very good, and this story really has potential, but it's an absolute train wreck. Glenn Close may be deserving of this Oscar purely for how she was able to rise above the rest of this filth. Which, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay true to that. But fuck, it's like PTSD just thinking back to all of this. Well, so I I want to give uh, like a couple examples, just just okay of, of what will encapsulate I think the entirety of this movie because there's not enough here to really have a big long conversation because this whole movie this movie, all these movies problems are the way it's set up and, and and you know shown to you as you go through it so the first example of in terms of the the dramatic nature of this film which then ju- just drops off so you'll get like a big build up towards something dramatic and then the next scene will just be like ah fuck it and just kind of like move on from it my example for that is there's a scene where um JD gets his mother to um, go back to the house that she was living in or the apartment that she was living in within a, within a building uh, with her, I guess now, ex-husband or whatever. And he's throwing all her shit off the side of the house, like, get out of here, I don't want you here. Which, by the way, totally sided with that guy. Um, it was ridiculous that he was being painted as a bad guy. He was totally right. She was an insane person. She should not have lived with him. He, I would do exactly what he did. Um, mm-hmm. and JD gets offended that this guy calls his mother a whore, which by all accounts, she probably is based on how she's portrayed through the entirety of the film. Um, especially considering the fact that she is addicted to drugs and has no money. Um, so how are you going to get the drugs then my friend? 
Um, so again, factually, seems to be on the money here. He then proceeds to kick down one of the doors to get into the building, runs upstairs, tries to get into the room that this guy is throwing stuff out of, and then can't, and then someone tells him, in, to what was one of Corwin's points, the worst dialogue imaginable, hey, you, get out of here. I have kids here. And then he leaves. And that's the end of the scene. And there was so much buildup to get to that moment. You know, the, the music's getting bigger. There's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of, you know, physical pounding of, of doors. It's very audible. It, 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 it's as pulpy as this movie understands how to be. And then he just goes, like, and you, and you see the guy in the room pick up a knife, which is also like, how would JD know that? <laughs> like, this movie's written by the, this, the actual guy. If he didn't get in the door, how'd you know, you fucking asshole? You're just making shit up now. Um, and, like, you see him pull, pick up a fucking knife and everything. And then it just, like, ends, and he just, like, walks away. And every time there's action, that's, the, that's what happens. It's built yeah. up to nothing. Mm-hmm. The scene where he tries to steal the calculator is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Again, Glenn Close saves that, but it's still fucking ridiculous. Well, then that's the thing about Glenn Close, that her... Her character... I kept waiting for her to have a moment. You know, a mo- like a real monologue, an Oscars-y monologue. That shit that you submit to the academy where you say this is what she is about in this film where she delivers some you know learned bit of of uh, backwoods knowledge that comes from a history of her own struggles and will help jd understand something greater about himself or the world or his mother and it never comes and that's the weirdest part about her character is she drops little nuggets i guess in like the worst dialogue ever sometimes some people are bad terminators and some people are good terminators and some people are neutral terminators i think um like oh my god it was cringing awful so fucking bad um glenn close herself i think does a nice job she might be a little bit much as compared to the rest of this film, but this film also has so little else going on that it's tough to tell if she's doing a lot or if the rest of the movie is just doing so little that it looks like she's doing a looks like she's doing a lot by comparison. But I just kept waiting for her to have. I kept waiting for the, like, there to be a good reason why she was such a large part of the film, and. There just isn't. And it's a shame. It really mm-hmm. is. Because she was the best part of this movie. By a significant margin. Were you waiting for that moment too? Or, or did you feel it came in some way? Like maybe I'm missing something? I'm sorry. Ask that again? What? Were, were you waiting for that moment as well? Where, where Glenn Close would deliver some sort of like, monologue of meaning? Yeah. I mean... No, because she kept doing little bits here and there along the way. Like, the talks that she had with whatever the kid's name was, I don't know or care. Um, Just like, yeah, just like, oh, you got to do this. You can't, you know, you got to blah, 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 blah. This is how you got to live. This is how you got to fight. I guess, like, my expectations were just so empty. And really, the only thing I could focus on was when it was going to end that I I was not looking for any redeemable aspect or monologue or anything of the sort. I I understand. Uh, I have one other major complaint I would like to issue and then we can move on. Um, the thesis of this film mm-hmm. I think is uh, dangerous <laughs> if, we're, if we're being honest. Um, the idea that you have to forgive your parents no matter what because one they're family and in this specific instance because two she also went through through bad shit when she was a kid is bullshit absolute bullshit and it's ridiculous 
that this movie would try to make this movie is literally a guilt trip to make this guy care about his heroin addicted mother when he absolutely should not there is nothing this man can do she has been in hospitals she has od'd she has refused treatment they signed her up for rehab she walked out of the rehabilitation center he is abandoning his career his future the woman that he loves i guess to go and take care of a woman who could not give a shit about him because she is not in a position in her life where she can. And guess what? You don't have to forgive that. I'm not saying you have to hold a grudge, but the idea that, like, that scene when she storms out of the, the rehab clinic and J.D. Davis, or I said J.D., J. Not, not J.D. Davis, that is a baseball player, J.D. Vance. Not J.D. <laughs> this would be a much better movie if it was J.D. Davis. Um... J.D. Vance is like, fuck mom, I'm just gonna let her go. I was like, yes! Yes, you should! <laughs> Stop chasing her! And then his sister was like, oh, you don't know what mom's been through. You know, you should really be nicer to her. Uh, fucking first of all, y'all are like 25 to 30. You should definitely have talked about your mother's past before now. Crazy that hasn't come up. And two, no, again, no, you don't. There's no reason, there's no law saying you fucking have to. Yeah, like, like it, it's just not a real world issue. It's, or not, it is a real world issue, but I'm saying it's not, it's not a, it's, that's not the choice. It's not like you have to do it or else. Mm -hmm. I know it sucks. I know it totally sucks to have, to one, have any towards of, sort of ill will towards your folks in the first place, and I'm sure seeing the, the drug addiction side of it makes it just that much worse. There is nothing you can do. If you brought her to rehab after she OD'd, and she is still... Also, by the way, how is that not court-ordered? Um, but anyway, uh, what else, you, you can't hold her down and force her to. And at the end of the movie, he ends up walking away anyway. Yep. And, that, and somehow it's also not the lesson that the movie was trying to, to teach. It, 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 oh, God. It was a ridiculous, ridiculous theme for this film to go with. Everything about this movie was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, I uh, generally want to meet the director and ask him just... Ron Howard? Let's take a step back here. What? Ron Howard directed this? Yeah, I said at the top, this is Ron Howard. I was looking at my fantasy baseball team. Ron Howard directed this? Yes, that is right. Two-time Oscar-winning director, Ron Howard, directed this. Fuck. All right. Yes. <laughs> I've been listening to, uh, or I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development because of uh, Jessica Walter. Me too. I, um... Man, I'm I'm gonna have to watch that differently now. Jesus Christ! I know it's ridiculous. That's the thing. I get, I get conceptually what Ron Howard is going with. Ron Howard is a very, I think, exudes a very small town USA kind of vibe. You know, he is after all um, a child star from the Andy Griffith Show, which encapsulates you know that kind of 50s idyllic small town uh sentiment however this was just such a miss i mean just so incredibly off the nose i mean not it misses the mark in a in a tremendous fashion it's it's not good i am scrolling through his films that he's directed and i am blown away by things that I just have never acknowledged being directed by Ron Howard. If you ask me to name Ron Howard movies, I could name Apollo 13. Like, before doing this, that's the only one I could have named. I am blown away by this list. They're all over the place. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right, Ron. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's do final ratings and reviews on this. I, I started, so I guess I'll start with this, too. 
Um, it's a shit show. There's really nothing more to say on it. I would not ever in my fucking life recommend this. Um, not even for Glenn Close, uh, who was nominated for a Razzie as well, which we mentioned. And I actually don't get that for this. I don't get it either. Again, it is definitely the biggest performance. In uh, It's not as yelly as Amy Adams's is, but it, it's still a pretty large performance in its own right. Um, which I, I, you know, I, I get that it's it's bigger but it doesn't i mean we're not talking about holly berry in um what was that movie fucking batgirl or uh, oh yeah batman and robin she had a couple but yeah whichever one has the basketball scene um or is that that doesn't matter uh so yeah i i didn't get that it didn't I, for me it didn't get that cartoonish but despite glenn close's decent performance here uh oh my god just just don't just don't this is this is uh half a star this is awful um i'm giving it a one purely because of glenn close and amy adams um again not even remotely a recommended movie highly unrecommended i don't know if that's how that works but highly unrecommended um it it's uh uh yeah yeah that's uh, yeah. i am usually at a loss for words it's usually never this bad because i just don't know what the fuck to say about it i mean it's stupefying how poorly done this is absolutely um, from a writing perspective at, at the very least but anyway we'll leave that to the side uh, all right, then let's get into our second film of the uh, of the day. We're talking about now the Dutch film. Oh, we had this whole conversation about whether this was Dutch or Danish. Mm-hmm. Fuck. All right, we're talking about now. We're gonna get into the the Danish. I looked it up. It is Danish. Uh, film. Another round. I uh, was written and directed by Thomas Vinterberg. Um, screenplay also by Tobias Lindholm. This film stars okay. Mad Mickelson. Thomas Bo Larson and Magnus Milong. Love these fucking names. Such great names. Um, this film had an estimated budget of 33.5 million kroner, um, or $3.9 million. <laughs> um, the box I was office. Definitely going to say it was like 36. Kroner? Yeah, 36 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, totally, bro. Uh, it has a cumulative worldwide gross, I guess, of $4.1 million, although, again, it, it's just, you know, it's skewed because this is out on Hulu. Um, it was, I don't think it got a, any theatrical release in the U.S. due to, you know, that real, the whole COVID thing. Um, we are watching this because it got two, count them, two Oscar nominations. Uh, the one we are most concerned with is Best Achievement in Directing for Thomas Vinterberg. It is also nominated I mean best, for best director. What did I say? Best achievement in directing. Well, that's pretentious the... fuck. I'm just I just read you the words pretentious that are in front of me. Fuck. I'm full of portent. Um, it is also nominated for best international feature film. Um, which I guess which would also go to Thomas Vinterberg, but it's it's. I love the fact that it just says Denmark as though like they just ship like. A little Oscar statuette to everyone in Denmark. Uh, congrats, Denmark! You know Denmark. what? They should. There's like, what, 30 people that live in Denmark? No, everyone in Denmark is in this movie. Oh, that's who all the extras were. Yep. Okay. Denmark is actually just like four city blocks. It no makes the kidding. Vatican look huge. Wow. 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 Yeah. So this film is about four friends, all high school teachers, test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood, um, which is just a much weirder during way of hours. saying uh, uh, blood alcohol content. Yes, during their waking hours. Uh, so, Cor, when I start with the last one, why don't you get us started here? Oh, man. I wish I thought about what to say. Uh <laughs> 
I'll be honest. I'm pleasantly surprised by this movie. I went in without knowing a single thing about it, just that it was focused on alcohol to some extent. Um, and I genuinely was incredibly interested by the actual study itself and the study they were performing because that's that's fascinating. The idea and the premise that just having like a single drink in you at any given time just opens up your, you know, it frees up your mind, it frees up your tongue, it just allows you to be more open of a person, more confident of a person, allows you to perform better because of those things. Um, I knew this was going to be an interesting discussion because you do not drink. I don't drink heavily, but I've always tried to not go above essentially this point. Um, and basically the devolving of their their health and of their mental state throughout this as things ramp up and you know, an attempt to try and maintain a scientific method about this while also just diving full head on into this addiction and the consequences from it. I totally get why this was nominated for best director. This is a incredible premise that I think was very well executed. Yeah, this is this is a, a very interesting story. Um a, a little bit unlike anything else I could really think. Um but also has, you know, that nice kind of simplistic nature to it that it's not like some wild outlandish concept. It's like, here's four dudes. So what's interesting about the setup of it is that the idea behind it is uh, the, one of the teachers is a gym teacher. One of the teachers is a, a psychology teacher. One of them's a history teacher. and uh, fuck, One of them's a music teacher. One of them's a and, psychology teacher? Yeah, that's the guy who proposes the idea. Huh. The Do we ever dude. even see him in class? In the like very teaching? beginning of the movie. Very beginning. Okay. Like, that's it. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I remember, you know, the history. I remember the Anyway, so the, the idea is that alcohol or, or stimulants in some type of way are going to bring about happiness. And it very often feels as though we see the opposite. You know, it's here's a guy whose life is being dragged down by drinking. Here's a there's a woman whose life is being brought down by um, drug use, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And even oftentimes in films where you see the idea of you know outside stimulants as a way to achieve some level of happiness, it's done so in some only way. Well, <laughs> different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's done in a way where it, it's it's to excess. You know, it, it's it's tripping the whole time, you know, it's, it's being drunk on your ass the whole time. It's being, um, you know, exceedingly high the whole time. And it's about some level of escapism. And that's actually, that's actually not what this film is about. It's not about, they are trying to avoid excess. They're obviously there in lots of issues as the film gets into the whole drinking part of it, but it, it, it's really more so about the idea of, living your life with the alcohol being just a medium to get them to kind of understand that, or at least to get Mads Mikkelsen to understand that. It's not that he's going to find happiness with alcohol. It's like a jumping off point mm -hmm. um, to let him be more receptive to his life experience as a whole. And that's a really interesting concept because that, and that makes a lot of sense which is what makes this film so interesting to see kind of play out because, you know, if, like, they were like, all right, we need something to spice up life, let's start doing meth, you'd go, oh, my God, this movie's insane. And it's not. It feels wholly reasonable what they're doing. Completely. Completely. Um, I really enjoyed that this, you know, that, you know, you got into a little bit where this wasn't, hey, let's try this out, and then all of our lives collapse, and... and you know, oh, don't drink alcohol because it's the devil. It's the devil's juice. Uh, even though 
I feel like most of the people that say that or act like that to other people are just like raging alcoholics, but whatever. Um, it just really goes to show that, you know, like you said, like it, it opens you up to experiences and opens you up to things that are happening in your life that otherwise you would be too closed off to, to really experience at its fullest. And at the same time, it's allowing him to see his potential for what he can be in life, who he can be in life, who he can be as a teacher, who he can be as a friend, as a partner, as a husband. And in the end, it all allows them to see through their friendship, through the study and through their students, how alcohol can help people, which again, on its own is fucking bananas, but also the dangers involved and how a balance, like you can't go to either end of the spectrum. You can't go full alcoholic because your life will collapse and it will lead to your death like Tommy. You know, that's very basic broad strokes but death unhappiness collapse of life or you know without it being too closed off being too clammed up not allowing yourself to open up to basically not a, whether it's through your own choices or not not allowing your own personality to be opened up to the world like sebastian needing just a drink or two to calm his nerves, allow him to speak with confidence, allow him to understand the, not even understand, but as himself and how there is a balance between both of those um, polar poles, polar poles. Um, yes, I, yes, I wish I thought about what I was going to say before we started this, as we can now see. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Oh, buddy, I love you. You ever just no. start a sentence and just not know where you're going? Every single sentence I say. <laughs> On this show, especially. Uh, <laughs> but I'll find no, out. I, like, you're right, and that's why I think the ending of this movie is so important to the film. I know all endings are, but this could have gotten so preachy and shitty because at the end, and this is a recent movie, Corwin already said it, but, you know, like, stop listening if you don't want to hear us fucking talk about it. Why are you here? Um, Why the, are you here? Like, in general. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the guys who does this little experiment, Tommy, ends up passing away. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole s story with that throughout the film. It doesn't really matter at the, for what I'm about to start saying, but he dies in part uh, because of this experiment with the alcohol and this film could have been like wow alcohol sure does suck they thought it'd be fun and then it killed them mm. and instead what it shows you is that mads mickelson's character understands he's he's starting to finally find some balance and he's starting to know that he can indulge himself in not just alcohol and alcohol is more representative here for his story but indulge himself in having fun and experiencing his life in some type of way and the fact that he does that on the heels of his friend's death at the same time as he is celebrating the graduation of his students it's really important that the film doesn't get preachy and shows that like yes there are negative consequences to anything in excess but what is important is that you still are able to find your joy and happiness as you go through life. And understanding your own limitations is important, but so is actually having fun. And mm -hmm. that's a great message to send. Yeah, absolutely. Just fuck that preachy shit. No, oh, wholeheartedly. doesn't even matter what they're preaching if you are preaching and it's unwarranted and unwelcome, fuck off. Nobody cares what you have to say. Right, and this is not necessarily an endorsement of all the dancing at the end, which just went on slightly longer than I expected it to. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to open up and be like, title screen for Mamma Mia 3. Well, after, after he did like the, the first big series of dances by the, uh, the boat, I was like, alright, is everyone going to join in? 
or are we going to stop? And then it's just like, nope, I'm Mads Mikkelsen, and I'm still going. Uh, I'm going to go for a swim. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. But, you know, and, and each of the four stories represents something a little bit different. You know, you see Tommy, um, a man who really used used alcohol as an escape um, because he just didn't have much else going. He clearly didn't find as much meaning out of his work as the other ones did, even though he had a good relationship with um, one of his um, soccer players. Um, he didn't have a family. He, he very much so was, uh, uh, I think, treating treating the alcohol as, as, as his escape. Um, Peter, oh man, I'm trying to remember which one's which by name, because especially since they don't have fucking pictures. Was Peter, Peter the one married, or was that Nikolai? Nikolai was the one who was the sociology teacher, or psychology teacher. Okay, yeah, Nikolai was looking for, um, I think, an escape, but not in the broader concept of escapism. He was looking for literally something to just get him away from his family, not finding meaning in the, the, the you know, family and the uh, I, people around him that he had. I took it less as escape and more of relief. Like, well, I don't think he wanted to leave his family. I just think he wanted to like escape his family get away from them i think he just wanted to just kind of have that uh just that weight off his shoulders a little bit because of the stress that comes with not being able to sleep having three young children that piss everywhere a hot wife that is trying to get you to go buy fresh fish you know so i i couldn't get a a great read on which version it was what you said or what I'm going with which I'm going with because I'm leaning in that direction because even when he would say something positive um, or at least non-negative it still felt really snarky like um, he said something somewhere in the beginning like uh, I'm, I gotta I live on the uh, my wife's loaded and I live on the beach I'm never leaving her or some shit like that um and I, that doesn't sound like quite what you say if you're genuinely happy and not just staying for, like, other non-happy-in-my-marriage reasons. I don't, I don't know. I, I found him to be tough. I think, I think either one works, though, and I don't think there's truly a wrong answer here, especially since Corwin and I don't speak Danish and will never know the tones in which they spoke. You mean Dutch? No, it's Danish. Don't you fucking do that to me. <laughs> Goddamn asshole. Um, just to keep it going, Peter, um, he, I think he just he, he just wanted to be with his friends. <laughs> they really didn't get into Peter too much. I think he just wanted to be there, um, which is also a good enough reason to do anything. Um, and then Mads Mikkelsen was, was, of course, looking to find joy out of something and they all kind of go down their own paths you know peter and and, and um what's about Hamilton's character's actual name martin uh, martin martin yeah they, they didn't they weren't in it with malintent they weren't using using alcohol for something they were using the experiment for something which is different and both of them ended up coming away with positive uses for mm-hmm. liquor which again seeing those two roads diverge is is uh, the the point i would contend uh yeah uh i do like that it is that kind of split where i do like that i do want to ask as someone who doesn't drink did you find yourself kind of looking at this film in a in a different light than obviously you don't know the experience of someone who would but like what or you know with your own experiences you watch this different than people who watched it differently? Is, I mean, is, I'm, you know, if, yeah. if you've had problems with alcohol in your past, I'm sure you're going to watch this a certain way. Um, but so I'm going to, I'm going to keep this to your border. You're, you're, you're down the middle. I, you know, have a beer um, on weekends. I'll have three or four course of the day, you know, like normal drinking habit kind of person. Um, I'd like to say no. I, I I wouldn't watch it any type of different way because I'm, uh, I'm not a 
preachy, I don't drink guy. I'm just a, like, uh, I'm already fat and lazy. I don't need to drink kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I will say just as a, a testimonial here, um, there are, you know, people who, you know, drink in college and, and, you know, are at parties where, you know, people are drinking heavily. There's always people there, whether it's a DD or just someone who doesn't drink, who like is there not drinking while everyone else is fucking hammered. And most of the time, those people suck. Josh is probably the best non-drinker I've ever drank with. He's a supportive non-drinker. I I love seeing my friends get drunk. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, man, it's always a good time. Um, And because, uh, that's why I don't think I'm going to view this any differently, because if you're watching this movie, if you can't get past the fact it's alcohol, you're not going to enjoy this. This movie is not about alcohol it's about these people's lives and uses alcohol as a placeholder for some entry point some physical thing that they use as an entry point to better experience their own lives or at least experience their own lives in a different way um which is why i don't think i would have really i view it too differently from you and from how this conversation is going i think we viewed this pretty similarly even though you're not the world's biggest drinker either um but I, that's why I, I don't, I don't think I have, you know, too hard of a time understanding where they're going with it. I, yeah, I, God, words are fucking hard today. <laughs> like worse than usual. Um, I kind of want to know more. Like, I want to see a follow-up featurette. Like, just something small. Just like, how did this impact them? Like, I want this. I want the science behind this. I want to read that research paper. Like, I want to know what happens afterwards. Yeah, honestly, this movie could have been like thirty minutes longer. Where mm-hmm. they like, because they made a brief mention of the idea of like making adjustments. You know, like uh. uh 0.05 not being high enough, we gotta go up to whatever. Because um, if they spent time with, it's like, alright, Tommy's, like, clearly more of a lightweight, so 0.05's too high for him, let's bump him down to a 0.03, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, Martin's doing really hot, let's put him up at, like, a 0.07 or 8, you know, and, like, see him, like, kind of play around with it a little bit, and and find their equilibrium would have been kind of fun, but uh, at the same time, this is ar- this is already a two-hour-long movie. Shockingly enough, didn't feel it. No, opposite of hillbilly elegy. Oh my uh-huh. god, yes. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah. That was what six-hour movie, right? That was longer than the uh, Justice League Snyder cut. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think this ran for about a twenty-four consecutive hours. At least that's how it felt watching it. Um, especially since mm. after I watched it, I um dreamt about how much I hated it. Um. I just wanted to punch JD's stupid fat kid face. Fuck yeah, you, JD. I I, I kind of still do. It's funny how he played the cool kid in uh, what the fuck summer? Or, uh, Kings of summer. Kings of summer. Yeah, and in this one, he was just like polar opposite. Yeah. Also, I will say um, the actor who plays JD. Um, mm-hmm. The charisma of a fucking desk. Oh, oh my god! Oh. Yikes! Yeah, no, hundred percent on on board with that. <laughs> All right, we're gonna stop talking about that movie again. Nah, um, fuck that movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say. Again, so the the way we're structuring the whole Oscars conversation, just to kind of loop back to that, um, we will be having a, a larger conversation of going through each um, category. And talking about all the nominees, since we'll have seen all the nominees for the films that we feel as though we can actually say something uh, about uh, certain nomination groups, acting, directing, stuff like that. We have nothing to say about makeup artist artistry. Um, so we'll have a we'll probably loop ba- we're going to loop back to the conversation about directing when we can do it a little bit more comparatively with other films. Um, but so so leaving leaving that part of this movie to the side, Corwin, do you have any other comments about? another round uh, before we wrap it up. Nope. All right, then give me your final rating and review. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, drink alcohol, performance, good, movie, good, 
feeling good for. Yeah, this is this is a really fun little movie. I say little because it it, it it's not like a big budget Hollywood film. It feels kind of indie, even though it has a pretty decent budget for for a Danish film or for you know uh, a uh, Eastern European film. I, I not American. You know the the budget sizes of films are different once you leave America. It, we spend a lot of money on it. Um, anyway, uh, the acting's wonderful. It's a really fun. An interesting idea. It has its low points, but also doesn't bog you down in them. It just has you sit them in them till you kind of understand it, and then mm-hmm. it will move on in an appropriate fashion. Um, I, I'm probably also going to give this a four, which is is high for sure. Um, at the same time, though, I feel like I'm judging this on a slightly different scale, like I often do with genre. But I don't know where to quite put this. Um, but I I do have a a, a nice affection for this movie. I had to read it, so it it gets in there with those movies that you gotta read. Yep, you gotta read it. You're not gonna know what it says unless you speak saying. Dutch. Unless you speak Dan- Danish land. Uh, Swedish. All right. Foreign. Unless you speak foreign. Oh. Uh... Yeah, those classic non-America languages. Learn America, world. Yeah. All right. All right. So that brings us to what we're watching next week. All right, so uh, we're we're down to our final two, count them, two um, solo nominee films. Again, strictly speaking for the uh, nominations that we care for, uh, we care for discussing anyway. We'll be watching White the White Tiger, which is uh, which is on Netflix. And it is uh, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It's one we care about. And we will also be watching News of the World, which is still uh, an on-demand film, so it can be rented from YouTube for about six bucks. Uh, It's the Tom Hanks film where Tom Hanks got COVID, and now his son is declaring it be White Boy Boy Summer, which I don't know what that means, and I don't like it. Um, But uh, that's nominated for Best Cinematography. So it's News of the World and The White Tiger. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so check them out before we get into it next week. We only have two more after that, so we're really we're really closing the gap on what's left um, to get to before the big day of Oscars celebrations. Um, so I'm fucking excited. We hope you're excited too. Uh, I'm doing it at the front and the back. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. And if you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. Me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Um, if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at choosingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And until next Tuesday, y'all have a good one. You heard it here first, folks. Joshua D. Tracy takes it from the front and the back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. All right, we need to cut before I do that. <laughs>